whenever you were 13, you were diagnosed with uh, alopecia. Alopecia, which, by the way, like I had no idea. And love me a good wiggy. And and uh, <laughs> so so are, whenever you graduate high school and you um you wanted to like go to cosmetology school, was that a big part of the reason why like cosmetology was in your head or absolutely it generated the whole concept I was always um when I was younger I did the whole like beauty parties were like my theme of my birthdays and prom my junior and senior year I had so many girls at the house doing hair and makeup and everything so the passion was always there um but really honestly knowing like losing your hair and knowing what all that makes you feel like feeling like yourself and feeling beautiful and you know everyone's like embrace the bald but I feel me in my hair and um I know how much hair matters to people and feeling good about it as to why all the extensions and everything is really taken um, a big step and everything of everyone really kind of enjoying the fake hair concept of just like, um, it makes you feel beautiful and that's all that matters at the end of the day. If you look in the mirror and you love yourself and you love what you see, who cares what's fake, what's real? Welcome to the Willpower Podcast, where we uncover the secrets of success and share the wisdom of exceptional individuals. I'm your host, William Gomez, and as a real estate professional, I bring you insights from the world of real estate and beyond. Join me as I engage in captivating conversations with incredible guests from diverse backgrounds and industries, from top real estate moguls to trailblazing entrepreneurs and influencers. We dive into the mindsets and habits of successful people. If you love what you hear, don't forget to rate and review. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and enlightened. Live live today on willpower. There you go. Alyssa Hobbs, yeah. thank you so much for being here. I know that your time is valuable and uh, I'm super excited to kind of get to know you a little bit better. And I'm excited for um, our audience to kind of hear your story because, you know, the biggest thing about this podcast is just me sitting down with people that have um, reached, you know, success in any you know, uh, walk of life and any type of business, not just a lot of the times people think, you know, Will does mortgages. So this is just about real estate. Um, but, um, I'm super excited to kind of hear a little bit more about your story. Um, people, this, this is probably going to, uh, get people curious because I'm sure even if they haven't heard your name, they've heard of Hobbs Med Spa, which is, um, the, uh, um, you just call it a med spa that you own, right? So Solana Med Spa. Solana Med Spa. There you yeah. go. So um, give us a one-minute introduction for people that haven't heard your name before. Yeah. So I'm Alyssa Hobbs, and I own Hobbs Solana Med Spa. We opened in June of 2019, so we just kind of hit our four-year mark, and we're so excited. It's been a huge blessing of success and um, amazing interaction with clients and relationships, and we're just really excited with where we've grown and where we're at. And um Started as like a cosmetologist behind the chair and just kind of grew from there. And now Hobbs is what it is. And where you're going as well, too. Oh, Which yeah. we'll get into it. You told me a little bit about it. But um, but anyway, so uh, if we go all the way back to um, when you started this, which now thinking about it, after I, um, I met with you and talked with you, I didn't really put two and two together. You just said it. You started in 2019, so right before the pandemic. Yeah, we had about like eight months. And, before shut down. And, and the thing is, like, in real estate, the pandemic really helped us out. Like, it was just like, you know, it was super busy, but we didn't need to see people, right? Right. But you, like, for uh, for the med spa part of it or just the salon, like, for the hair, like, you you guys have to be with the people. So how so 
t- walk me through like you opening that and then how long it took and then and then the shutdown and how you kind of uh, went around that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we were just, we're smooth sailing and everything was going great and, you know, we were growing and then, you know, the pandemic hit and I'm sure as like everyone, you're just deer in headlights of like, how do I navigate this? Like where we had it? Like, you know, and how do I, my girls don't work, they don't make money. How do we make sure everyone still feels supported and everything along those lines to where, yeah, we couldn't, um, a lot of the girls did some house calls, you know, we did what we could and they tried to make what they could make, but we could not do anything in house. We couldn't be full service or anything until they allowed us back in. And, um, you know, they kind of released a soft opening of, you know, not being able to function at full capacity and things along those lines. But, um, my girls, like it was navigated very well. And it was like, this is not what's going to be that takes me down. You know, there were so many doors that closed after that. And we were very blessed to be in this industry that, um, for some reason, people being at home and I don't know, staring in the mirror or whatever, just made the world really vain a little bit. And so it boosted our industry tremendously, honestly, like um, our sales and everything and where we're sitting in this industry is something they've never seen before. Um, How long were you shut down for? So we were only shut down for about like two months. But two months, I mean, especially just starting out of business because you had just been in business for how long? About eight months. And something that I want to point out, and I believe um, that, you know, there's different stats out there, but the one that, that I can think of is that one out of, only one out of five businesses that start up make it. Um, so four, four in, in five businesses go out of business within the first five years. Yeah. And, and I think that those stats changed dramatically whenever COVID came, came on because um, I can't imagine like starting a new business and then just being like, boom, like you're shut down. So going back to whenever you and I met, you told me that this year, the revenue that you're bringing in, it's something that you weren't expecting to have this revenue until maybe year 10. Correct. Yeah. I mean, we're reaching our 10 year goal at year four and it's just, I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. It's amazing. It's insane. So let's go back to, um, I think this is even before you opened up your salon, but so you graduate high school and then you, you, your family, your dad, I believe you told me wanted you to go to like, is it TU or something or? Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, he went OSU always. Yeah. um, No. And so I, I kind of just threw my fet where I was like, fine, I'll go to TCC. Like I'm, you know, I just was, and I never showed up to class. I never did it. I would just put my foot down. I'm like, you can pay for whatever college you what want to What do you want you for. to do? It just, my family is just very corporate America. Like, you know, it's just like, if you don't have like that title and, you know, getting in with those big companies, like, what are you going to do with yourself? Like, it just wasn't on the roster to be more in the um, service industry. Like that wasn't something we do. And so whenever I was like, I want to do hair, my dad's like, okay, you go enjoy that. Um, and so finally I just, I, I got my way and I did get to go to cosmetology school and I did not, I think I went to two classes at TCC. I think he paid for, um, two semesters. He paid for like a year and I just, how long did it take for him to kind of give up on that dream as far as like that you were, you're going to go to regular four-year college and then do something in corporate America? Like how long did it take him for, to realize like, Hey, she's going to do what she's going to do. 
Um, you know, I did think that he realized that pretty quickly whenever I was like that stubborn of like, I'm not even going to show up to class. Like this isn't where my heart is. This isn't what I want to do. Like I'm not, I'm almost like the black sheep. Like, you know, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to follow this role that you've put us in. And I want to do what I love and what I'm passionate about. And so I do think that like he gave in, um, after like the first, um, semester and everything along those lines he's like give it a little bit longer and then he finally we went and toured schools um cosmetology schools okay and everything and um he really burst my bubble we went to one big one caliber in Tulsa and everything we walked out and he was like you won't be going here like they have no success stories they have nobody that's walked out of these doors that became successful like you know he was just so adamant that this industry's not it you know, your dad sounds like somebody that I would really like, but he also sounds like something that I can. And once again, going back to this conversations, like, like I, I have to make sure that I'm not like that to my kids as well, too, because you could really, you know, a career is one thing, but you could really deteriorate a relationship from, from your own daughter, your own kids. Yeah. yeah. If you just are so, but that's crazy that he was just like, there's no success stories. Here. Yes. And then look at like, you know, in which I will say he was beyond proud. I actually, um, he passed away just a few weeks ago. He did. Yes. But I just love that he gave me this opportunity and I did go after like what I love and like, it's only pushing my passion harder to like really show him what I can do in this industry. Did you end up going to that school? Or did um, you, where, no, I did go? not. Um, I actually had my college experience and moved to San Antonio. Okay. And they had a Paul Mitchell school down there. Tulsa's location was not open yet. Oh, gotcha. And so I went down there and went to more of an elite caliber school. And it was an amazing school. I want to change that education for the world. I had a lot of platform artists I got to learn from. So it was like the bigger school concept of getting to do the cosmetology degree. And did did you like San Antonio? It was okay. And if you are you able to pull this up a little bit? Oh, so sorry. No, you're good. There you go. Uh, that's good. It, yeah, I went down there. I was supposed to go to San Diego, and it was during COVID, and everything. Like they gave me a call three days before I was supposed to go down there, and they said, "Hey, um, the only way you can check in in the hotel is if you show us your paperwork that you're an essential worker." Yeah, and I was like so pumped because I was just like, "Man, like there's going to be such." good Mexican food and it's going to yes, be amazing. The food is amazing. <laughs> so I was just like, what am, what am I going to, uh, like, what should we do? So we were like, uh, you know, Texas, it was kind of like Oklahoma. It was kind of like opened up. Yeah. And then, so we're like, let's go to San Antonio. We've never been there. And we go down there and I wasn't impressed with the food, with like the, eh, we stayed at the Riverwalk there. Right, the touristy stuff. Yeah. Everything. Um, it was, I almost feel like it was a little bit like Tulsa, really? like small town, big town, um, vibes. Um, yeah. but I did live a little bit in the burb area, um, with school and everything, but it was short lived. It was short and sweet. Great memories were made. Great relationships were made. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't visited back since. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I wish I would have went to Austin. It was between that and Austin. I, I have gone to Austin now. Um, but because it's like so close to each other, but we're like, ah, we're like, we think that San Antonio would be more cool. And it wasn't, but Austin on the other hand is incredible. My sister just moved there and I'm You obsessed. told me that. You told yeah. me that. That's awesome. So, um, Okay, going back to you telling me that COVID really brought out the the insecureness in people and, and, and just really going through social media, um, like TikTok was born out of COVID because of people just scrolling. Absolutely, something to do. And honestly, I was one of the people that I looked at TikTok and I said, I'm, I still kick myself for not getting a TikTok 
earlier than I did because I was like, this is something that's going to come in. It's going to go out. And it didn't. It actually ended up changing Instagram. It ended up changing Facebook. It ended up changing YouTube. It set a YouTube. new tone. It's insane. So um, here's the thing, though, is that with social media, people are, one, they're so they're so infatuated with showing their perfect self. Absolutely. And then on the other hand, the viewer is also very, um, very laser focused on that person's perfectness and quote unquote perfectness, right? There's no such thing as perfectness. So something that um, I want to get into is, is that um, whenever you were 13, you were diagnosed with uh, alopecia, alopecia, which by the way, like, I had no idea and love me a good wiggy. And, and, uh, <laughs> so, so are, whenever you graduate high school and you, um, you wanted to like go to cosmetology school, was that a big part of the reason why like cosmetology was in your head or? Absolutely. It generated the whole concept. I was always, um, when I was younger, I did the whole like beauty parties where like my theme of my birthdays and prom my junior and senior year, I had so many girls at the house doing hair and makeup and everything. So the passion was always there. Um, but really honestly knowing like losing your hair and knowing what all that makes you feel like feeling like yourself and feeling beautiful and you know everyone's like embrace the bald but I feel me in my hair and um, I know how much hair matters to people and feeling good about it as to why all the extensions and everything is really taken um, a big step and everything of everyone really kind of enjoying the fake hair concept of just like Um, it makes you feel beautiful and that's all that matters at the end of the day. If you look in the mirror and you love yourself and you love what you see, who cares what's fake, what's real? Exactly. So tell, for people that never heard of it, because I mean, you kind of saw my face whenever you told me, I was just like, so. uh, You're like, what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you're you're like, tell me more about it. So um, I I did, I personally did a little bit more research on it because I was just curious on it. But from your view, like somebody that doesn't know anything about it, how would you describe it? Um, the best way to describe it is it's an autoimmune disease. Um, and so it does kind of take a toll on you. And then, um, it's just kind of no cure, no cause. There's definitely a lot of, um, studies out there continuously trying to grow, um, for a cure. Um, nothing really yet. Little things to dabble in. Um, my mom, I was a guinea pig. She took me to every doctor possible, tried to cure me, solve it. You know, amazing mother. Amazing. Like I loved her commitment to being like, I can fix this. Um, and then at some point I was just over being poke and prodded and being the guinea pig. Yeah. And I was like, bald is beautiful. I love this. I love my wigs. I have best of both worlds. And, um, just kind of really, um, became one with that and learned to love it and learned that, um, it's what's gotten me here today, absolutely, the passion and drive behind um, hair. So you said that this happened when you were 13 years old, Correct. which is right whenever you become a teenage girl. Yeah, it was uh, the summer going into my freshman year. Wow. So starting high school. Yeah. So how long did it take you for you to kind of mentally get over that hump? Um, you know, my mother has a different timeline than I do on that. I feel like I kind of can suppress those feelings a little bit more, but it was a very rocky roller coaster. Absolutely. Um, a lot of insecurities, high school, all that fun stuff, boys, you know? Um, and so I think that's kind of a little bit of a hard thing to answer of saying when I like really, um, felt like myself and felt confident again. Um, but I would definitely say it, it, it took maybe early twenties. 
Wow. So the entire high school, like you just like you didn't feel like yourself because and I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it was a huge I mean, I had like girls that like, you know, my my squad was amazing. They had my back. But like people would be like at lunch today, I'm going to rip her hair off. Like, why? Like, we don't need mean girl stuff. But um, my squad definitely had my back and nobody touched me and nobody gave me much smack about it. Man, and the reason why I I um, wanted to bring that up is because people listening, I want them to realize that anybody that even comes on here that they've they've made, I say made it but anybody that has been sitting in that seat has never felt like they've made it because as you know like I feel like you and I got each got to know each other uh well enough that we're somewhat alike and I feel like you just never feel like you've arrived no matter how much you know success oh no, you've baby, had it's just the beginning <laughs> I love it and so but people see people like that and they see like oh well that's because they don't have this because they don't have that you know and we all go through our own struggles um but yours is something that's a little bit more outwardly than inwardly because a lot of the times it's stuff that you're going through in your head um and it's and it's I just want people to to like I wanted people to hear that because it's if we started off the podcast talking about how incredible your med spot has been doing Salon and med spa. Yes. Um, it's like that just adds even more. And I hope that that lights a fire into somebody listening to today. And, and, and hopefully it pushes them to do the one thing that they, they've always wanted to do. But that quote unquote imperfection has kept them from, from doing that. So I appreciate you sharing that. And so you start out in cosmetology. You kind of told me a little bit of your, um, of your, uh, your journey to kind of opening the, the med spa, but, um, you start really like before you were a stylist, you said you started a salon, like, uh, sweeping hair and stuff. Oh, absolutely. So literally talk start about from the bottom, talk, talk about that, uh, that start from the bottom. Now, now you're not where you, where you want to be, but you're way past that. So tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I actually loved it. I got in with a local salon that was very high-end, and I was a client before. And so she was such a delight that whenever she heard I was going to school, she's like, you got a job when you got out, which was huge to be able to be an assistant at that salon at that time. And um, because, you know, as soon as you're assistant, then it gets your foot in the door and you can grow to get a chair and become a stylist and everything. So start from the bottom. And I actually really enjoyed those tasks. Like I really enjoyed um, learning the industry and kind of being at the bottom. Like I loved that I started there. And um, then it was, you know, um, we actually had like a walkout. And so a chair became available sooner than my program was ending. And um, luckily the owner at the time felt um, like I was a good candidate to get launched a little early. Got out on the floor, started doing hair and um, growing my clientele. In our industry, it's not overnight that you're fully booked and doing amazing. So that takes time. And a few years in, she needed some help managing and kind of running the front desk and everything. So she was like, are you interested? And kind of learning both positions. And I was like, absolutely fell in love with it like running it the clients and just knowing the ins and the out and everything was just made me all warm inside like opening up the door every day to like open it to get it ready for the day was just so fulfilling and I fell in love with it and I stopped doing hair and went full-time being um front desk and during that I got poached by another company that was strictly just a med spa and they were longtime family friends and they trusted me just as much as she trusted me brought me in and we did like a full rebranding and 
Um, I learned so much about their company. So I had these two great mentors that just kind of gave me this amazing torch to just like, it was honestly like a whole new education um, of learning the ins and outs of their businesses and everything. And then thought about um, buying in on that one and then um, didn't agree with some things that were happening there and chose. And then my old owner decided to open up a second location. And um, so I went back with her and help her open up that location, um, kind of just helping run it, being her right-hand woman, you know, being her eyes and ears that she trusted. And, um, you know, it just kind of got to a point where I was like, doing a lot, doing a lot just to be where I'm at. So poached her and was like, I want in, I want in. Like, you know, um, what's it going to take? How do I get a stake in this? How do I grow with you? And um, she didn't take it well at first. Um, and then she was like, let me think about this. A few months went by, and there was no progress, no nothing. And um, luckily, I have an amazing family and everything that fully supported my hopes and dreams at that time and invested in me, and now this is Hobbs. Man, I love your story. I love it from the very beginning because you started from literally, like, the very, very bottom – and one of the things that really hit home with me is that you said that you you loved every single stage of it. Every stage. And and it reminds me of kind of like me whenever I grew up, like growing up and, and you know, people are like, why, you know, why are you so passionate about what you do and why do you love what you do? And aside from my current why, because I truly believe that a why can change throughout your career, but I look back and whenever I was a waiter in high school, like I even remember having... Um, people that I knew, like my friends and their family would come into this restaurant and I I would be like a different person because I wanted them to be, say, like, I'm like, what do I need to do to make sure that they say like, this is the best service I've ever received anywhere. And I loved what I did and I wanted to be the best that I could of whatever I was doing. But I was ready to work, like whenever like I felt like I had served that purpose and I was just like, hey, I've done my time here. I'm like, okay, what's next and what's next? And I think that that your story kind of reminds me of mine because you you so many people right now that let's say they get motivated and they say, hey, I'm gonna launch this business, right? And then it's like you you want to open up a let's say a car shop, and it's like, okay, well, hey, you're gonna have to start at a mechanic shop and not even be a mechanic. You're gonna have to like clean all this stuff up, and they're like, that sucks though. Like, I don't want to do that, and it's it's like. So many times people don't re- don't hear this part of the story. So I love that part of your story. And I love how you kind of grew into it and you were like, okay, one of the biggest things that I always think about is the biggest recipe for failure is complacency. And it seems like throughout the, the entire way, you never got complacent. And even whenever you were ready to to move on to the next thing, instead of, you know, leaving your current team hanging you were like hey i want to truly have a seat at the table yeah and even people that have done that before i feel like they would have just waited and waited and waited and they would still be there right now so i truly like i'm not just saying this like i love your story and i love um the the like the whole the whole path that you took to where you're at now so how long did that path take before you open hops like years wise like yeah, Time-wise. absolutely. We were, um, gosh, what was that? I think six years. Six years. Seven years. Yeah, right around that timeline. 
And that's what, what I will say, even just like piggyback on like the growth and like not being like, if you have a passion and you know you want to go do something, I'm a cosmetologist. I don't have a degree. I don't have, but the thing about it though, is that if you know, like you have that vision and you know what you want for yourself, guess what? Like you can hire, you can delegate what you don't know somebody else does. And so I really just like, don't stop because you don't know everything other people do and just put them on your team. I love that. And I think that in our business, um, like May West is actually the reason why you're here. Yes. It was a connection that we had. Um, I work with her um, quite a bit in my business. And she reached out to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, probably maybe maybe a month ago or so. But she was telling me, she goes, hey, I want to reach out, get some advice. And I'm thinking about hiring somebody to help me do all the stuff. And I just go, hey, before you keep going, yes. The answer is yes. Absolutely. You, you are at the... Um, at the position and the level that that if you want to go to the next level, like you're gonna need help, yes. and, and it's okay to 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 release some of that. It's okay to to give up some of that margin if Control. you want to make more as well too. Because sometimes so many people think, well, that's crazy. Like, why am I gonna pay somebody X amount of money a year if that's gonna just take out of my bottom line? But it's like. You gotta we, think about the the longevity of everything of like bringing those people on is where you hit those five, 10, 15 year old goals, you know, of getting everything taken care of. You can't do it yourself. And that is something I learned from the other two women I worked for in this industry. They were so, they had to have that control. They, they wouldn't delegate. They like, they wouldn't give anything up. And it's just like, but you need other opinions. You need another set of eyes. You need another set of ears on everything to get you where you really want to be. And you need people that are going to be, um, they're going to tell you the truth because you being yes. at the top of the, of, of, of the team, uh, it's easy for people to, to just agree with you and that just harms you. Oh, absolutely. No, I love constructive criticism. Like bring it at me all day. Let's grow together. So, the, um, you, st you, right now you have, is it like over, over 20 employees? Yeah. We're about 30. 30. Yeah. You started with, oh my gosh, I think like six, six. So let me ask you this at what point in your career, which going back to, it took you six years to open Hobbs. Six years is really not a long time. No. But then when you're, I'm sure it seemed like a long time getting to that point. Right. It's just like, okay, like when is this going to happen? Right. Like it took a couple months for you not to hear back whenever you wanted to see at the table. I'm sure those two months felt like a year. Like, right. am yeah. I ever going to, you know? So, um, I, so you've been opened, uh, three four years, years, four years. That's still not a long time. Right. And then so in a pandemic, <laughs> exactly. So going from six employees to 30 employees, Tell me what, what it is that tells you like, okay, we need that other person to come in. We need this other person. Like what, what is it that makes you feel comfortable on like bringing more, more help? And because of course there's also the other side of the story where, I mean, I've had people, uh, loan officers that I've talked to and other agents that I've talked to that they're like, Hey, I'm ready to hire somebody to help me. And it's like, um, like you don't, you can't support this right now. Like what's, uh -huh. so talk, walk me through your mindset right now on when is the perfect time to hire somebody on your team? So I definitely kind of, I'm there often. So I watch the ebbs and flows and I kind of see where the holes are at and I see where the struggles are. And, um, that is one thing that, um, I have an in-house accountant and she's literally my, 
she makes my world go round and everything and she advises accordingly. And sometimes I go a little rogue on her. I'm like, I hired him. You know, I'm like, we needed it. Yeah. And she's like, I don't see it. Like you're paying this extra hourly. You're doing this, you're doing that. And I'm like, watch it, like watch. And it just, the way that it makes everything, especially we're, we're so big on our customer service. We're so big on being that high touch and giving them that personal experience and um, having like that high quality. And sometimes to make that go around, you need more hands to do it. And so um, it's just kind of like as we grow and I see those opportunities needed and everything, I go for it for the majority. I just hire them on and sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes it was a not my best decision, you know, to kind of add that to payroll. But um, so far, so good. And it's been a steady pace of growth. We're at max capacity and that's why we're expanding now. Um, so... Um, I think that it's just kind of been watching it grow and seeing where it's needed and seeing how it unfolds whenever we do bring on new team members. It's having that vision whenever people can't really see it. And and I think that that's why there's people, like I would say you and I, and there's people that, that need to be in our team that are very, like just have a different skill, uh, like a, a, a different gifts that we don't have per se, right? Like it's just all about like, hey, the numbers aren't making sense. And it's like, sometimes we just have to see the, like have the belief that we're going to get there with the risk of knowing, of course, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like a lot of the times we're learning from our mistakes as well too, in order to kind of keep moving forward. Always. So you um, started talking about expansion. So I was going to, you know, one of the questions is like, what's next for Hobbs? And one of the things that you said at the previous place you worked at, you got to pretty much, I guess, run the second location that, that they opened. Is that correct? Yes. So um, I, I'm assuming probably a, a lot of people are like, are you going to open another another one, right? And we kind of talked a little bit about that. And you said you don't believe that and in that. Talk to me a little about yeah, that. Yeah, so I've just kind of watched it unfold even just within like our own city and town of um, Tulsa. Of I've seen people in our industry and I've seen these multiple locations, and I really feel like once you've done greatness, it's very hard to um, copycat, like, yeah. you know, to really keep it at that same caliber and that same um, quality of service and everything. And I just feel like in our industry, the possibilities are endless to where it's like, you create this one that's so amazing, and it created your name, and it got you branded, and it got you where you want to be. And so... I'm continuing in my industry, but I'm going to grow in other ways. And we'll have this staple on Cherry Street for Hobbs and everything, and it will always be high-end, great services and everything. But as far as where Hobbs is headed, we're staying in the industry, but we're growing differently than another location. And do, do you, would you ever do anything like in a different state? Like oh, kinda, absolutely. Like a franchise type uh -huh. of thing? Austin. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I won't... Uh, whatever you're willing to share, but within that, whatever you're willing to share, um, I also, are, can you talk a little bit about your expansion? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we got an opportunity within um, the area that uh, my business is in that one of the neighbors was choosing to leave and um, got the opportunity. So we're going to bust through. So Hobbs is 3,600 square feet right now. And um, we're adding it on to where it will be 5,100 square feet. And I'm actually, um, with where Hobbs is sitting and running my numbers and everything, my best investment is more in the salon side. So it's going to be very salon focused on that side. And then I am going to keep it a little bit under the radar, but do a light plug. But we've got some really exciting things that we're launching within that part. 
I, I can't wait to to hear and once it's live what what's like a time frame on that oh my gosh I'd love to know construction is just been amazing um but we're hoping to be open by November oh wow I mean that's yeah. pretty around around the corner right around the corner so I mean you kind of you know did hit on it you said quote unquote Austin one thing I wanted to hit on too and this also goes uh anybody listening that's kind of thinking on on their business is um you always have to be thinking ahead because one thing that I remember asking you because honestly like I said I wanted to sit down with you get into your brain a little bit because I think you're the one of one of the people that you could be running that car shop that I just gave an example of and I think that you would be successful at it I know you'd be successful at it so I just wanted to really get to know into your brain so I mean whenever I met with you I'm like so uh like I have I don't know much about your business. So whenever, um, you were telling me when you started, uh, it's now been 10 years ago, you said the place that I worked at was like the place. Yeah. And then now you're telling me it's super oversaturated. So that's, that, that is most likely going to happen in a lot of different businesses. Like on our end, um, before COVID, there was about 7,000, uh, mortgage loan officers in the entire state. 2020, 2021, that um, got went up to almost 13,000. Wow. So almost doubled Double. on yeah. that. Now uh, that um, it's a different market, we are down to, um, we're down to 9,000. And overall, as a, as a nation, in quarter three of 2021, we're at 188,000 loan officers, and we're expected to end below 80,000 at the end of the year. Wow. Yeah, so... Just because something becomes saturated doesn't mean that it's always going to stay saturated. So I bring that up. So you're going into a new space, a space that's like uh, a lot bigger than Tulsa. Yeah. And it's popping like real estate is, you know, super high. And they've I've got the Apple thing going on there. They've got the Samsung rolling in. Tesla. It's Tesla. They've, yeah. Um, yes. So how do you go into a new brand new place that I'm sure you're going to have a lot of competition and and make a name for yourself like you've made a name for yourself here in Tulsa. I really think that just the way that like I went about Hobbs is for one, I take amazing care of my employees. I reinvest in them. I value them. I want the best of the best. And I make sure that like we offer things to get the talent because you can, I mean, you don't even have to have a beautiful facility as long as you've got the talented, you know, people doing the services. But I really think going into a bigger market like that and learning it is almost, it's really trending right now, like community over competition to where it's, I don't really feel competition anymore. It's just how can we set ourselves apart being involved in the same industry? What are we going to do differently? How are we going to make people feel differently to where they choose us over them? Man, I love that aspect of it. Uh, like that, that outlook of it, because so many people go into it thinking like, you're my competition, you're my enemy. Right. Yeah. You know, when I started in the business, uh, I was within like six months in and I remember reaching out to the top 10 loan officers and saying, hey, I'm new in the business. We'd love to take you out to coffee or lunch. And only three of them agreed to go with me because the other I ones you tell me about yeah. one you're like, oh, now you want to talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then so uh, and, but at that point, it's for me, it's like how like, is there anything I can do to like help you to where I know that you're going to be able to help me in some type of mentorship role or anything like that to where 
not that it's the same exact thing, but it's just the mentality of, of not seeing your competition as enemies. I have literally just the other day, I had another uh, salon owner out in Owasso give me a call. I do, uh, we did brunch just like a month ago or so with salon owners. And um, I'm always a text away, a call away. And I've really set myself there. Um, there's not a lot of people in my industry that are willing to be the open book that I am and give the advice as, as I do. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, hey, you, you need to keep that a little low key. Keep your secrets to yourself or whatever. And, you know, of course, there's things, you know, don't overshare. But I'm pretty much an open book with all of them. Everything I've learned, I'm more than willing to share. And um, I have several, several owners in the industry, um, even some of my reps within my medical spa side. Um, they have owners in other states give me a call. Like, should we buy this device? How are you feeling about it? What's your ROI? Like, what are you looking at? And I just explain it to them. And um, most of the time, it's a closed deal, you know, after that. But I love sharing. Um, nobody really shared with me. I was so hidden by the other owners. Like, they didn't give me any of their, like, really knowledge on the ins and the outs of it or whatever. And I'm like, you're not going to do what I'm doing. Like, yeah. you can do it in your own way. It's always going to be your own way in your own facility with your own staff. But you can't copycat me. Like, we have our own thing going. And so my knowledge, everything I want to share, I would love to give them everything I've learned always. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize and never realize is that if you don't keep your cards close to your chest and you really are showing it to everybody, the, the reality is that maybe one out of 100 people that you tell are actually going to do something with it. Right. Yeah, I'm telling you. I've learned that so much where I'm like, I just spent all this time with you, giving you the nitty gritty of success. And then I watch them and I'm like, how do you feel about that? They're like, oh, yeah, I didn't even really give it a go. I'm like, okay. A couple of last month, a couple of weeks ago, um, we hosted like a social media class for realtors. And at the very end of the um, class, I said, okay, everybody DM me the worst slides if you want if you want the, the, the slideshow, the, the PowerPoint, because everybody's always like either taking a bunch of notes or like taking pictures. And I'm like, Hey, I can go ahead and, you know, send it to you. Yeah. And I had just about the entire class, like sent me that, the, the DM me the word slides. And then just last week, somebody was like, Hey, um, I can't, I can't get into it. It says that I have to have special access to it. And then I go into, cause I just sent everybody a link and I, I go into it and it said, um, allow public to access the link. And I, and I went ahead and allowed it. She was like, thank you so much. I can access it now. And all I was thinking is like, everybody else that got that link, haven't even clicked on it to go back and looked at it. Yeah. You're like, the tools were right in front of you. So throughout your career, Talk to me about how many, if any, and and what kind of mentors you had along the way. I would absolutely say that the two other business owners within my industry were huge mentors for me. I definitely learned what I enjoyed, what I didn't, what to do, what not to do, how to treat people, um, and everything along those lines. They were huge keys in that role of me learning that. And then also, I just can't say it enough, I, my family is insanely incredible, very successful people, and... Um, amazing people at that and they um supported me um always um in every realm that they could so kind of just between having really great um bosses in the past and then also having the family that I have in my corner has been pretty unreal so your dad went from went from saying like you shouldn't go to cosmetology that's silly to 
like what was it this last let's say couple of years him seeing the success that you had yeah so uh, my father was the one that invested in me um got to pay every dollar back plus interest um gotta love that but um he really um he chose his words wisely, I guess is like a good way to put it. And um, he kind of, he pushed me hard. We, uh, one of his quotes that like we've always lived by is we are Americans, not Americans. So he never let us say the word we can't. And that. so it pushed us to just be like, he's like, okay, if this is what you want to go do, I'm investing in you. Watch, like, let me see what you can do with this. And it was really cool whenever he was, giggling with me and he's like are we building the Taj Mahal <laughs> and I was like it's gonna be fabulous I promise um and it is and it's amazing but he really it was um very um what do I want to say like um amazing for him to finally sit there and be like I get it I see it this is insane you're killing it like I had no idea like you know that you you could do this and, um, you know, and I always love the good I told you so moment, like, this was my passion, this is what I wanted. And really, you know, just paying for cosmetology school, not a four year college, you know, is night and day on cost, where yeah. I was like, my sister graduated from Duke with her master's. I'm like, how is how is that tuition? You know, and then I've got like this amazing place that's, you know, a multimillion dollar company and everything along those lines. And he just, um, he was proud as hell. And, pr and his name on it pretty much, right? His name on it, yeah. It's funny how we talked about how, how you came up with, like, the name and you were you were trying to think of something Ugh. really cool, which a lot of the time uh, people do that. Yeah. And, and then sometimes when it's, like, your first gut in instinct, it's, like, because now, I mean, like I said, like, I feel like every if – when you think of hops Mets ball, like you don't really think like that's somebody's last name. It's just like a, right. it's like a brand, yeah. you know? So I love that. So, um, one of the things that as much as I feel like you and I are like, and I feel like a lot of people that are like us have a different story, um, mm -hmm. uh, upbringing different, you know? And one of the things was, so, you know, I grew up in Mexico. I grew up really, really poor, um, single mom. I've never met my dad. And that has been, to me, one of the pillars to who I am today and what has pushed me so hard. Like, I think back of being a waiter and wanting to be the best waiter I could be, and I, and I just think, like, I was doing this because if my mom would have never brought us here, like, I would have never even had the opportunity to be the best waiter I could be in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Like, that was my mentality. A lot of the times people think you know, and I've said this quote a couple times, uh, in this, um, podcast, but I just, I love it. And I think it goes perfect with, with, with the difference between you and I is part of the reason why I was so scared of having kids is because I always think of, um, I always think of, of this quote that says weak men create hard times or hard times, create strong men, strong men, create easy times, easy times, create weak men and weak men create hard times. And it's just kind of like a, uh, uh, like a, a never ending, you know, circle of like pretty much all, so many people look at successful people and they, they think, oh, it's, it's because you came from nothing and, and that was your motivation. Right. And a lot of the times there's a stereotype of like, if you came from something, it's a lot harder to, to go anywhere because I mean, you had it easy your whole life. So then you look at your story 
you grew up with your dad, you grew up, you know, uh, you know, however you want to say it, but a lot different than I did. But not only that, but you grew up with your dad who's, you know, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he was like, you know, uh, a rock to you, like he was close to you. And, and then now, you know, it's crazy. This was news to me. Like you said, he's, he passed a couple of weeks ago and now having to navigate through that. So talk to me about what was it in you that made you be who you are today, even with the upbringing that you had. And then also like, how are you navigating being without your dad now? Yeah. So I will say like my upbringing and everything, um, what a blessing, like what a life, um, and everything and the support that we've always had with the family. And then dad kind of created, like, we kind of called it like all me and my sisters, like we're after our empire. Like we're like, we're all going to build our own empire. He really set this standard. And it's also whenever you are raised a little bit more luxurious and like, you know, knowing the finer things in life, you don't want to go backwards. Yeah. You're like, how, what am I going to do in life to maintain this lifestyle? Like, how am I going to surpass it? How am I going to, um, keep this role? And, um, but even that, I feel like so many women, especially they think of like, who am I going to marry so I can maintain this? I don't think you ever had that thought. No. Um, I actually, Enjoy men the opposite route. And Money no, does not buy happiness. It does not make your marriage go around. And not only you, but like, it sounds like your sisters like did the same thing. Like they, they're, they're very independent women. So, so yeah. So what was the mindset there? You know, honestly, I will say that, um, the push of our parents of, um, we were going to be somebody someday and whatever realm that that looked like, they just, I mean, we just constantly had them being like, you can do anything. You can do anything. And it really showed between us three girls, you know, everyone we grew up around, um, all the other executive families that were part of it, like their kids are um, in and out of rehab or still working for the family business, just getting whatever paycheck out of the family company and everything. And it really, um, my dad was always so proud uh, to have us girls sitting quite differently of that. We were handed opportunities and I'll never forget um, whenever I was opening up Hobbs, I had a lot of people, um, really putting negativity towards me of being like, oh, must be nice. Daddy gave you money to go open up a company. And, um, you know, and so whenever I was talking about opening up Hobbs, they're like, wow, what a great opportunity. And I felt so not down. I almost started downplaying it myself of like, well, you know, my dad's funding me and here I go. Like, you know, they kind of really pushed that on me and I almost started believing it. Like I'm only here because of that. And then I had somebody say to me, and I truly will never forget it. He goes, but you took the opportunity. Most don't. Most have parents that would invest in them. And most, you know, they do have those opportunities, but they're too scared. They don't take it. And um, that is something that I I did. I got offered the opportunity and I said, watch this. Haters are going to hate no matter what the situation is. If you, if I would, let's say it was me with my upbringing trying to do what you did and people would have probably came up and said, how are you going to get funding? Like you're, this is never going to happen. Like, you know, what's, and, and then if, you know, once you make it there, there, there's excuses of why you made it. And, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I could tell you too of, of stories of, of, I saw people kind of even turn on me with how how pe- people thought that it was going to take me like a lot of people thought that I would fail in the mortgage business. And then a lot of people t- told me like, hey, 
I think you'll do good, but it's going to take you some time. And then uh, when you have something. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like people will make excuses for for whatever it is. So uh, I'm so glad you shared that and you were open with that just because I feel like a lot of people need to hear that as well. So tell me, you know, like for me, I've, I've never had my dad. So it's like, uh, I don't know any different. Right. So you had your dad your entire life. And then, and then that, you know, unfortunately has been taken away from you. Like, how, how are you dealing with that? Um, you know, it has been, um, interesting, a lot to process. And I really do believe I spoke at his, um, celebration of life and I kind of like ended it with about to make you damn proud. Like it almost like he pushed us constantly while he was here and everything. And there's just that new fire is lit of like, okay, now I'm going to really make you proud. Like now that I don't have him to like really see it and watch it and be in my corner, but yet I know I still do. And I know he's always going to be my cheerleader. Um, I just, it really, it almost relit the whole fire of I'm make him proud. And I put that name on a building and I'm going to do something with it. Redefining your, your why. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on. I really wish I could, I mean, you know, we, we normally have a time on these things. So, but I, yeah. I, I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you the first time and really getting to know you even more this time. The last question that I always like to ask people is, um, throughout your entire life, no matter the success that you've had now, um, or, or successes that you've had in the past, what is, what is one piece of advice that you've received that has really stuck with you along the way and has helped you through those times? Oh goodness. Um, I would honestly probably say that, um, don't give up. Like, I know that's so like cliche and everything, but the hard times they hit, but there's always a resolution and you can always come back out on top, you know, no matter if it's freshly opening up your doors and getting hit with a pandemic or, you know, a death in the family or any of that, like don't lose sight of like the end of your goal and just make sure that you always go after it. That's great. And a cliche is only a cliche without action behind it. Right. And a lot of the times why cliches are cliches is because people just say, don't give up because, and then people give up all the time. Right. Yeah. And so that, if you really look through cliche sayings, it's like, there's a lot of, there's powerful stuff in there. And of course you didn't give up and you're here and I can't wait to hear, uh, hear and see what you do in the future. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks William.